You are listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journeys here at UVic. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host, Liz MacArthur, and joining me in the studio today is Justin Curran. He's doing his Master's of Applied Science in the Mechanical Engineering Department. It's focusing on aerospace research. So you may or may not know, but there's a satellite program here at the school where students can get involved and work on aerospace-related things. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is uh, designing and building a satellite. Part of that's doing outreach, going and talking to people like yourself, grade school students, high school students, people in industry, talking with businesses, um, and just raising awareness that such programs exist and students get involved. That uh, that was, I don't know, when I first got your email, it was quite exciting to read, like, building a satellite and a satellite program. So you oversee a group of undergrads, right? Is that directly related to your research here in your master's? It is. So basically, I volunteered on the team as an undergrad, and then as I was graduating, the supervisor for the project recruited me to do my master's. And basically, my master's has been making sure that the satellite works, um, making sure that assumptions we made about when we were creating different parts of it um, were checked and verified, like often because it's a volunteer-based undergraduate team primarily, decisions get made and not not necessarily there was time taken to make sure that those assumptions were correct or that they're going to work. So part of what I did in my master's was go back and look at some of those choices, make sure that those were the correct choices to make, mm-hmm. and do that through simulations, software, testing, things like that, as well as make sure, you know, the team works as a whole and we have the right people in the right place, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example of an assumption that might be made? For us, one difficulty is at our school, we don't have an aerospace program. There's no mm-hmm. formal training for doing any of this work, um, and there's no industry around us. So sometimes we'd come up with an idea and we think like, okay, well, we think that works, and we might talk to like someone at the school who might be knowledgeable in that field, but they don't actually work in the space industry. So who knows if it's actually going to work or not. Um, so one of the things is like um, the heating and cooling of the satellite. We, you know, make some guesstimates about how it's supposed to work based on other models we've seen around, like other schools who have built satellites and launched them or done testing. Um, and then part of what I did is I put that into software and basically made a three-dimensional version of it and then did some analysis on it to be like, okay, this should be roughly how hot and cold the satellite gets. Mm-hmm. And then compared that to what we thought or, you know, our worst-case scenarios for things like batteries. Batteries are very sensitive to temperature, so you have to make sure they don't get too hot or too cold. So you're designing a satellite with this team. Is it in, Will it go into space, or is this just going to be like a prototype that other people can work with? So both. So part of what we do is we compete against other schools nationally. There's a competition uh, called the Canadian Satellite Design Challenge. Part of that competition is if you win... Uh, you get a ground station to communicate, so similar to this radio station, we get radio equipment to communicate with a satellite in space, as well as they pay for our launch. So we actually just won last spring. We took first place out of about seven competing universities across Canada, mm-hmm. many of whom actually do have aerospace programs, so we're pretty excited we won. Um, so now in the next coming year or month, months, we're going to get launched into space. That's extremely exciting. Wow. So it doesn't get launched from Victoria. It does have to go somewhere. It will have to transport it somewhere. Part of that, there's going to be security clearance issues, documentation. So part of what we have to do now is provide the launch provider with 
all the documentation they want to make sure we're not going to damage their their spacecraft or any other satellites on board. Mm. Um, part of that could be contamination, like us, us having something on board that might leak out and contaminate another satellite. Part of that could be us just falling apart due to vibration or us like exploding. So, and there's also other security issues, like you know, if we have to take it somewhere like Russia or India or China to get launched, you know, dealing with the borders and export regulations and things like that, because some of the stuff on board our satellite could be used as a guidance system for a missile or some other kind of destructive weapon. Hmm. Um, so there has to be like tight guidelines about how that stuff gets handled, how it gets dealt with, who has access to it, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When you started doing this, did you expect that you would eventually have to, um, I don't know, be dealing with security clearances for places like this? Or? Well, I mean, we kind of knew about some of it to start with. Like, mm-hmm. we had rough ideas about how some of the stuff would go. But, you know, the more you work on it, the more details you learn. But which is also why we try to encourage more people to work on it. Like, not just engineering students, but, like, because of all the different aspects of the project, you know, people from law, business, you know, the arts department can all get involved. Like we do lots of broad work that is well outside the spectrum of engineering that we always need more help on. It's just mm. people don't know about the project or know that they can even get involved or mm-hmm. find their pathway into such an industry. Like lots of people don't know that, you know, there's whole legal departments for aerospace companies or their whole um, graphics design or arts departments for for uh, these companies to design logos, to design, you know, advertisements and ad campaigns. How many people are on the team right now at UVic? It changes every term because of the co-op program in engineering, the co-op program, so it's mandatory co-op for every year of school. Um, typically, we have a core group of people of at least seven or eight. Um, right now, we have actually quite a big influx, partially because we won, partially because we're doing a lot more outreach, trying to get people engaged. So one issue we have is a bunch of us are about to graduate and move away from the program uh, shortly. Uh, so we're trying to pass on our knowledge to the next group of students before we leave. Um, so right now it looks like we have about 20 or 30 people that are going to be working on the satellite for the next year mm-hmm. or two. Um, so part of what we're doing right now is finishing the satellite we've been working on. It's the one that we just took for testing and won the competition with. We're basically finishing that off and getting that ready for launch in space. And now there's a new um, competition starting in the next few months, and we're trying to get people involved in that. Basically, it's up to the new group of students to come up with what they want to do. Mm. You know, what kind of science are they going to do on the satellite? How is everything going to work? Um, as well as taking, you know, some of our current undergrad students and transitioning them into masters to work on it, like um, myself did. And I have another student that I recruited after me to do his masters on it as well. So for an outsider, it, to me, it seems like you have an award-winning satellite couldn't you just do not just build the same one again and uh, win again? Or what's the difference between satellites? Well, so the key thing is each one of these satellites has to do some kind of novel science. It has to do something new or innovative or, you know, untested. Mm-hmm. Uh, because our satellite has a very specific mission for its scientific payload, that has a whole other um, raft of requirements for how it makes power, how it communicates, how it operates on a daily basis depending on what the new group chooses for their science mission, could completely change all of those. Mm. I mean, the hope is that they would be able to use certain aspects or certain parts of our current satellite and not have to do the work on them, and they could assume that they're going to function properly. But all that will change depending on what they want to do with it. Mm -hmm. What does the current satellite do? So the current satellite has a material in it called uh, pilot graphite. It's similar to like, um, like the graphite in your pencil or carbon. Um, essentially, it might hold a new type of space propulsion system, is what we're hoping to prove with it. Basically, it's repelled from all magnetic fields. So, like your fridge magnets at home, however, they have like a north and a south face. 
Basically, this material is repelled from both north and south equally. It's not attracted either, it just wants to move away. So it'll be similar to like sailing on the ocean with wind or using like a solar sail in space, other than this would be on, sailing on magnetic waves. So the problem with solar sailing in space is as you get further and further away from the sun, you have less and less light hitting your sail, so you go slower and slower. Because you can't really see magnetic fields and waves, you don't really see where they are, but there's very strong fields between different planetary objects like the Earth and the Sun, Jupiter, Saturn, our galaxy and neighboring galaxies. So there's a lot of magnetic fields out there that you can use to sail around and actually go quite quickly. So is the satellite itself made of uh, graphite or is it just inside it? There's a small material inside of it. Um, The important thing is that we're actually able to control this with lasers. We found that there was a research group that figured out that you could actually control this effect using lasers. So our hope is that you can make it steerable. Ah, So where do you want to steer it? Just We just want to show any type of movement. If we can make it move at all in space, it'll just prove the concept, which will hopefully spur on a new industry to start working on this. Mm. Um, because this, this isn't the desired effect of the material. Basically, the material is designed to um, conduct heat very well, to basically transfer heat from one object to another very, very well. Mm. About four times better than copper, and copper is about the best metal for conducting heat. That's what it was designed for. This other effect is just by random chance. So we're hoping that if it works, people get inspired and people who do like material research or work on, you know, new types of materials will take this effect and try and design a material that does this specifically. That's exciting. If it works, you you must be totally excited because we'll have yeah. started this whole new That's field maybe. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the hope is that we can inspire, you know, universities mm-hmm. around the world, students, people in the industry to pick up this new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other things it does as well, but that's our primary goal. So you're going to be finishing your master's, and if it works, will you go into work in this field, do you think? Are you particularly interested in working? Yeah, so I, I currently have some job offers to work in the aerospace industry. I may stick around UVic and work on a doctorate afterwards. It depends on a grant we have outstanding right now. If it goes through, I'll stick around and probably work on it for a few more years, um, which also helps with like continuity on the team because I've been around now since like 2011 working on it so i have a lot of experience so new people that come on it's easier for me to get them caught up um as well as it's easier to know what kind of issues they may run into or to help train people to take over positions in the future when you started did you do your undergrad at uvic i did right did you start out thinking that you would be doing this kind of work was this something you always totally wanted to random do? just literally i saw a poster on the wall one day that showed up to a meeting and volunteered and just kind of was in it ever since. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've had a number of people who volunteered on the team and who have gone on to get jobs and co-op positions at companies. So right now we have a student who's going to be working at um, Rocket Labs in um, New Zealand. We've had people go on to work at Boeing, Tesla, SpaceX. Um, we have another student who's applying to work at NASA as an intern. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another company in Vancouver called McDonald Detweiler, who's a really big uh, space agency in Canada. They actually were the ones who designed the Canadian arm mm-hmm. that's on the International Space Station that was on the shuttle. Um, so we've actually had a variety of people who've gotten jobs out of this um, and who are going to pursue careers in the space industry. Mm-hmm. What does the job uh, prospects look like for the space industry within Canada itself? Uh, quite good. Actually, Canada has a number of aerospace companies. Hmm. Um, us being Canadians, though, we're fairly modest and no one really talks about it or brags hmm. about it. But just about any commercial satellite in space that deals with any kind of communication, so whether it's cell phones, radio signals, GPS, they all have Canadian technology in them. There's a, a company in Canada called Comdev. Um, they design almost all the communication equipment that goes at least some aspect of the communication equipment that goes into satellites. Um, Again, MDA is responsible basically for all the imaging satellites that image all of Canada. 
um, as well as designing like the Canada Arm. There's many other um, companies out there. There's Microsat Systems Canada. There's Magellan. Um, yeah, the, the list goes on and on of the companies that work. It's just people don't talk about it or aren't they aware because it's not really here on the West Coast. There's more out east. Mm-hmm. But even still, people just don't realize they're around. Can you talk about like a typical day going through what you do and your research and what you and how you go about doing all this research? Yeah. Um, so mine's not exactly your standard ter- stereotypical like master's thesis because I basically run a project and my thesis is basically make sure the project works. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of what I do is like um, basically like qualification. Like one thing I mentioned was doing like the thermal analysis, basically making sure the satellite doesn't get too hot and the satellite doesn't get too cold. Um, other things I've done are like um, looking at the vibration of the satellite. So if we bolt all this stuff together, is it just going to shake apart during launch? Because it's a fairly violent trip into outer space. Mm-hmm. Basically, you strap into a giant bomb and hopefully it doesn't go off and launches you into space. So part of that is we have to make sure that it's going to stay together. So the first step to that is basically you take your model, so your 3D version that you've made into a computer, you import that into software, and then you run it through a bunch of tests and make sure that it's going to withstand, at least to some margin, it's not going to shake apart or things aren't going to bend too much. After that, then you take it. So part of what we did last spring was we took the satellite and actually bolted it down to a table that just shakes it as if it's going to get launched into space. Mm -hmm. And then we compare those results to our simulations and see how closely they matched. Um, And hopefully that, you know, they're fairly close or at least they're better than expected. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of gives us some rudimentary assurance that it's going to last, it's going to stay together, things aren't going to fail. Um, But my typical day often involves a a lot of emails because I'm dealing with a large group of people, um, checking in, trying to do stuff like outreach, like, speaking to you today, just getting people aware and involved, um, basically putting out fires, talking to other students where they have problems and issues and helping them resolve them. Um, on top of doing my thesis work, I also do some design work for the satellite where I actually help design systems or work with other students who are designing systems, help them figure out problems like finding unique solutions or putting them in touch with people either on campus or in industry that can help them out who have volunteered their time because Another thing we do is we go to industry for conferences or for trade shows like Viatech in town um, and talk to people about the project and people want to get involved and volunteer their time. So we get business cards and contacts and then when we have issues, we'll contact certain people about them and see what they can do or see what kind of ideas they have to solve the problem. You mentioned that it's uh, pretty multidisciplinary and that yeah. you want people from law and other things like that to come in. And then you're always already interacting with uh, industry in town. Is this uh, a growing part of UVic? Like, is there the potential for this department to get much larger? We're hoping, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, right now, I mentioned we don't have an aerospace program. What we're hoping to do is kind of like a next step is have, like, maybe an aerospace master's program for a year. Mm-hmm. And then if that's successful, transition that into, like, a full, like, undergrad degree, possibly. But... It's time and money and interest. The more people that want to get involved and they're interested in possibly going to this field, mm-hmm. the easier it is for us to grow it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's totally what you want to get out of it. I mean, we've had we've had chemists, we've had physicists, we've had people from business, uh, we've had student we've had art students come on. Um, there's many many different parts of it that people can get involved with, and it's all volunteer based. There's no required time commitment. It's not it's not like oh you have to do 20 hours a week. You can't be on the team. It's you get out of it what you want. We've had people that have just hung around who have been interested, um, who haven't actually done any work, but they're just interested in the field and just want to see what's going on or what kind of work we're doing um, or possibly how to like, get in contact with the industry because you know they're looking to get a job in that field later on. Like we had one, uh, 
one student who wanted to become a, an aerospace lawyer. She wanted to get into space law. So she started mm-hmm. getting involved in the team just looking at some of like, the legal issues we have and stuff to start looking on or focusing her law studies on. So when she gets out, she'd be able to look at getting a career with a law office that might deal with aerospace problems or things like that. It doesn't help having industry in town, like you mentioned, Viatech. Is there much collaboration there? There is. So we um, there's actually a company in Esquimalt called Prototype Equipment Design um, who manufactures basically all the structure for the satellite for us, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really key. We uh, A number of the other schools we talk to, that kind of um, expertise just doesn't exist in their area. Um, so it's been really fortunate. We've been able to partner with them and... We basically go back and forth with our design. They tell us what's good, what's bad, like, you know, what's hard for them to make, what's easy for them to make, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we have a good rapport that way. And they also donate the time and material for us. They don't charge us as students. They just donate it and mm-hmm. ask just so that we, they get recognition for their work. Um, there's another company in town called AGO Environmental. Um, they actually helped design the scientific payload for the satellite. Um, we worked with them quite closely, de- designing it, developing it, actually making it a, a real thing. There's also other companies like Camosun College in town has also donated time to us. Um, we've worked closely with them in the past in getting prototypes done. So, yeah, there is a there is a quite a bit of back and forth between us and local companies. Can you describe what it actually looks like and how big it is? Um, so it's about the size of a shoebox or a two-liter milk carton, okay. which isn't really that big. But if you imagine your cell phone mm-hmm. and how many of your cell phones you could stack up in an object that size, you can kind of understand how powerful the computing can be out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have things like a screen on it, but it... But it'll have, you know, an onboard computer, battery storage, um, power generation and regulation, a communication system, um, which basically is exactly what a big full-time satellite like NASA would build, the Canadian Space Agency would build. Mm. Um, It's just miniature size. Uh, The reason it's so small is it's expensive to get things to space. Mm -hmm. Um, Roughly, it costs around $80,000 Canadian per kilo. Whoa. Yeah, so you're looking for for our satellite to get launched. You're looking roughly around three hundred thousand dollars range. That's hugely expensive, but I guess it's going to space. Yeah, <laughs> and there's and it's not just you know the cost of fuel to get into space. Mm-hmm. There's lots of other things like the administration, the red tape. Like I mentioned, like if you have something that's controlled goods and you need to get it outside of Canada, well now you have to deal with the Canadian government. You have to deal with the government of the country you're going to. Sometimes we could have parts of the satellite which come from the states, like our solar cells come from a company in the states called Spectrolab. Because they're a military-controlled good, if we're exporting those, we now also have to deal with the military requirements from the states to export mm-hmm. that out of Canada to go somewhere else. So there's lots of little things that add up quite quickly. Yeah. So how is it uh, powered once it's in space? You mentioned batteries and solar cells. Yeah. So so batteries are essentially how we store the power. All this power actually generation, like how we add new power to the system, is all from the sun. It's all solar power generated. Hmm. So it's fairly green technology if you want to look at that way we don't have like a nuclear reactor on board or some kind of other power generation system it's all driven by the sun essentially which is how almost all satellites work Mm. except for ones that go into very deep space which will have some type of nuclear reactor on board Mm. earlier you talked about when it actually gets launched it will be launched with other satellites as well yeah so essentially we're so small um you can think of us as like ballast Mm -hmm. they basically have you know some big satellite they put on board a rocket so you know either it's communication satellite or some type of like scientific research satellite um and then you can imagine that there's going to be all kinds of space around it because it doesn't quite exactly fill the area of the cargo bay so basically what the company's doing who's launching this big satellite is they're trying to make as much money as possible so they'll bolt as many of these small satellites in there with it that they can so we'll be one of those small satellites Basically, as the rocket's steaming away to go launch this big satellite, we get kicked out the side uh, roughly around where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 
And then from there you start monitoring it with yeah, your equipment. from there we basically try and make contact with it. So we'll have a ground station here in the engineering building at UVic. We'll be there. Basically we'll have a team of people at the launch site and we'll have a team of people here um, at the ground station. As soon as it's launched, we're going to try and make contact with it as soon as we think it's within the area of UVic. Hmm. Um, and the hope is that we'll make contact. We'll be able to get some basic um, readings from it like, you know, did everything power on? Are we able to change how it's pointing? Like, are we able to point the satellite properly at Earth? Stuff like that. Basically do a, a first systems check, and then hopefully if that works properly, start going into getting some science data and getting it going into normal operation. Hmm. And the, when you make contact with it, what kind of – what is coming back to you? What kind of data? You mentioned something about radio signals. Or- yeah, so – Part of what the satellite does is it operates as an amateur radio receiver. So people who have a ham radio license or an amateur radio station at their house can actually communicate with the satellite and bounce mm-hmm. signals back down to Earth, as well as do like message forwarding. So they can actually store messages on the satellite and then sometime later rebroadcast us back down to Earth. So say you're here in Canada, you have a buddy in Australia, you can throw a message up on the satellite. When it comes around, it'll rebroadcast to him in Australia when it's overhead. It's fairly old technology, but it's still neat. It's still used quite a lot. And part of the reason we did it is just for outreach so that people are aware, people who use it are going to talk about it, that type of thing. Other data that's going to come back is going to be like telemetry, like, you know, the um, the power storage levels over batteries, you know, how fast is it moving on board? We have a GPS. So part of what it'll tell us is its height, its altitude mm-hmm. off sea level, um, how quickly it's moving. Just for reference, satellites in orbit roughly move around eight kilometers a second. Wow. Fast satellite. <laughs> yeah, so roughly, you know, it takes you less than 30 seconds to go from Victoria to Nanaimo. Wow. Other things like, you know, we have basically system checks to make sure that all the the computers that are in the satellite are all running. They're all basically giving us the green light that everything's working properly, um, making sure we're generating power, that our solar cells are pointing at the sun and they're actually generating power for us, um, looking at how what the pay, what's going on with the payload. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And if the graphene is not utilizing magnetic waves to move the satellite, will the satellite still be moving because of like magnetic pull? Well, it moves because of the way objects work in orbit. Mm-hmm. Basically, in order to stay up, you're moving faster sideways than you are falling down. Okay. So um, it's essentially called free fall. Basically, everything that's orbiting Earth is in free fall. Essentially, what's happening is it moves sideways faster than gravity can pull it down. It's not that it's not falling down. It's that it just keeps missing the Earth. Oh, right. That's okay. essentially how you can think of it. Um, so, yeah, it'll still be moving around, mm-hmm. which is just a property of it getting launched into space. But that has nothing to do with like the magnetic fields. Basically, what we do on board is we have uh, big magnets that we can control electrically. So they're all electromagnets. And we use those to change how the satellite points because Earth has a big magnetic field that goes around it from the North to the South Pole. And we can use those magnetic fields to change how the satellite's pointing at Earth. So when launch day comes, do you want to be on the team that's at the launch site or the team that's in the engineering building at UVic? I think I want to be on the launch site. I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. I spent enough time that I kind of want to be on ground zero. So at least if it blows up on the launch pad, I'm there to watch it. Shed some tears right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it'd be a bit of an experience just going to another country. Like we end up going to like Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. we end up going to India or something like that to launch it. I think it'd be a, a pretty neat experience just going there and going through like, the whole launch procedure with, because we're not going to be the only people there. There's going to be dozens of other engineering teams there from other companies who have satellites on board. Mm-hmm. So it'll be quite an interesting environment to interact with all of them and just to see how it all works um, just from like an industry standpoint. Even though we're still students, we kind of treat it as 
one of the other guys. Right. Do you have a launch date in mind yet, or does it depend on we're, these companies? We're, st- we're still waiting. And the, basically, the um, the company that's responsible for uh, providing us with the launch is still shopping around. Um, because of the high cost, mm-hmm. they're basically trying to find the best deal they can. Um, so part of that is talking with like um, the Russian um, cosmonauts, trying to get a deal. So Roscosmos is who deals with the, the Russian launches, uh, dealing with the European Space Agency, dealing with the different companies around the world, trying to figure out if they can get a deal because we're students, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Basically trying to reduce the cost as much as possible because the less money they spend now, the more money they have to spread to other universities in the future. Okay, we're almost out of time here. So I want to ask you, uh, if people do want to get involved, if they've listened now and they're totally fascinated, as I assume they yeah. probably will be, where can they go to find out more information and possibly get involved? So um, we have a website that we maintain here at the school. Um, if you Google Ecosat, uh, we're one of the first hits that comes up on Google. Otherwise, you can go to csdc.engr.uvic.ca. It's the website we run here at the school. Um, we have an office in the engineering lab wing. We're on the second floor in A221. Uh, we have co-op students there all the time. We have business cards on the outside of the door. Um, myself, Justin Kern. There's also the project manager, uh, Devin Peltier. We have some other students around that are always involved. You can always email any of us and get in touch with us. We have weekly meetings. Um, yeah, there's lots of ways to get involved and get get active if you want. I mean, some people came by our booth at Clubs Day. Um, lots of people just think it's a big, scary engineering project and there's nothing for them to do. Uh, but in reality, there's lots for everyone to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what you want to get out of it. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Jargon. If you want to listen again, go to our website, cfuv.uvic.ca, and click on the Listen tab.